Welcome back to another episode of the Silver Bullet Saga podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Vonderhaar. A lot of pomp and circumstance goes into many of the episodes we do, especially the introductions. But today, I, I we're going to do a little bit of a recap of Michigan State. But the folks who are tuning in, it's Friday evening. Thanksgiving was yesterday. Tomorrow is the biggest day of the year for this Ohio State football team. I'm joined with me back, as always, by my normal co-host, Adam Vonderhaar. Adam, how are you doing today? Ryan, I am very happy and excited to be back on the podcast. I, Purdue, don't think that I uh, missed too much with a week off, but uh, happy to be back nonetheless. Uh, got my turkey in yesterday, got some alumni hockey in today. Always good to visit with you, Ryan, uh, at Goggin Ice Rink in Oxford, Ohio. I am excited for the game tomorrow, and what a blowout we watched last week. I don't know yep. if you want to start into that now. Nope, that's right. that's exactly where we're going to go. So uh, a lot of people were nervous. Huge matchup in the shoe last week. Number seven, Michigan State Spartans walking in to take on the number four, Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, kind of a very hyped up game, right? We had game day on campus as well as Fox Big Noon. And, you know, all the all the all the big names, right? We're here to take in one of the biggest games of the year. And a lot of people had it hyped up Two high powered offenses two. Heisman front runners and Kenneth Walker and our guy CJ Stroud. Uh, and if you were late getting to your television last Saturday uh, and you flipped the game on, I think you were asking some major questions. If you didn't get in by the end of the first quarter, Ohio State was up 21 to zero. Um, Adam, we don't even have to talk about the second half, but you know, just, just kind of give us a couple of your takes from, from watching the first half and just how quick of a start the Buckeyes got out to. I would just say, I mean, C.J. Stroud coming into his own provided the Spartans had just a terrible passing defense. But gosh, 32 for 35 without even a defense on the field. I think that's, you know, worth some recognition and, and to bring him into the serious Heisman contender conversation. I mean, I've seen the pundit saying, I mean, what a great receiver court does for this quarterback, but he still has to make the passes. And, you know, like, did they ever discount Joe Burrow for the talented wide receiving core that he had? I mean, they're all on NFL rosters now. So I, it's almost made into a meaningless quarterback award on the best team in the country. But if it is that, why don't we give it to the best quarterback on the best offense in the country, I think. But uh, the Michigan State game specifically, we killed them. There's really no two ways about it. I'd like to thank my friend Clay Parrish for predicting it. Uh, we absolutely slaughtered them. And uh, I mean, I don't know what else you can say. The game was over by the end of the first quarter. How many games in Ohio State history can we say about that? I mean, it, no, it yeah. was an absolute beating. I think that that's ahead. no, that's that's the headline, right? It was just a butt kicking from start to finish. But I don't think Buckeye fans really and maybe they do, especially those who were there in person. And I I should shout out Bart Johnson for giving me a FaceTime call in the stadium uh, to, to just let me know how much fun that they were having just kicking the butt of the Michigan State Spartans. But historically, I mean, if you zoom out, there are not many games against the big three rivals that Ohio State has that end up like this. I mean, this was dominance from start to finish, start to finish. And, you know, if you take away kind of the garbage time touchdown that the Michigan State Spartans scored in the in the, in the fourth quarter, this was a shutout, you know, with Ohio State, Ohio State essentially being able to name 
you know, how many points that they scored that day. And you, you, exactly what you said, Adam, was it the best defense in the country? Pass defense? No, actually one of the worst pass defenses in the country, but CJ Stroud going 32 for 35, 432 yards through the air. I mean, it, it, you're right. If there wasn't a defense on the field, those stats would look exactly the same. There's folks that try out for the NFL combine, right? They're putting their tape together and they'll miss more than three passes with no defense on the field. So for him to make that kind of an impact and just be in such good rhythm with his guys, right? This is when you want your offense playing their best and, and they absolutely are uh, to capitalize or to underline those stats, right? Six touchdowns through the air. Um, you know, he was a favorite coming into last Saturday. He is now the favorite uh, leading the Heisman uh, polls right now. He's, he's favorite. He is minus 200. So that means you would have to pay $200 in order to win 100. If you're betting on CJ Stroud to win the Heisman, that's how confident Vegas is right now, uh, in his campaign. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, you know, in just a moment, the other, uh, the other two Heisman front runners heading into the last week of uh, regular season football is Bryce Young, of course, down there at the university of Alabama, great offense this year. Uh, and he's going to have, you know, two more games to prove himself. And then Matt Carell, kind of the uh, maybe the dark horse candidate down there with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Uh, definitely a surprising uh, team this season. And and uh, props. We're not a little bit of a tangent, but props to Lane Kiffin down there at Ole Miss, taking Ole Miss to their first ever 10 win regular season. So that's a that's a pretty uh, awesome thing. Oh, wow. the, yeah. First time ever for Ole Miss. So pretty. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, but back to, back to the Buckeyes and back to last Saturday. I mean, one of the coolest and Adam, Adam and I probably have a, an extra affinity for this young man. Um, and I, I say that as a young man myself, right. But Chris Olave, I mean, this kid, a three-star prospect out of uh, California, kind of uniquely identified by Ryan day and brought out here to Ohio state, um, you know, two touchdowns on Saturday against Michigan state, which is not that much to write home about because it's so normal for him. Uh, but the the great thing about those two touchdowns, he actually broke David Boston's all-time record at Ohio State for receiving touchdowns. Chris Olave now has 35. Uh, I believe the record was 34. So he tied it and broke it uh, both last Saturday. So a pretty awesome thing. But Adam, maybe you want to just talk about Olave just for a second, just because he's the best. <laughs> I mean, he is the best. We, we look back at that. Uh, let's see, was it the 2018 home game where yep, yep. Uh, that team up north was favored by, I believe, six and a half, maybe seven points, depending on the bookie site you were looking at. And then, I mean, Ohio State comes out and just dominates that team with Olave making a huge impact on a blocked punt returned for a touchdown. Um, that was the first time I had really heard his name thrown around, uh, getting serious starting time, but it seems like the game, which we'll be talking about later, just brings out these young kids. You know, that is that's where legends are made. And I think ever since then, he's just been destined for greatness after that block punt. Um, but I mean, what can you say? I mean, he broke David Boston's record. This this is this kind of stuff that just lives on in Ohio State history. That that record stood for 20 some years, and for Olave to do it, I think there's few guys we have seen in the last couple seasons that would be even worthy of it but I think Olave definitely is he's had a, a historic career here so I mean uh, yeah, totally, be happiest for him. exactly totally agree and I think the crazy thing is he has a chance to put it out of touch you know he's he's got a handful yeah. of ga games left in this season and just with the world that we're living in and the way college football has gone right it's kind of rare for 
there to be majorly contributing wide receivers through three years because so many guys will go to the pros, right? Um, so Olave's got, I mean, he's got 35. Would, Adam, would you be blown away if he got to 40, you know, by the end of the season? That I don't think I would be that surprised by that at all. So No, I don't think so. And here's something that just struck my mind is without the COVID year last year, where is this yard? Exactly. Exactly. Know, six more games. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Crazy, crazy stat. And, you know, if you're, if you're comparing, and I love the, uh, the graphics that came out this week, right? Comparing the three, our three receivers to uh, earth, wind and fire, you know, talking about the different strengths and specialties between uh, each of the guys, but you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. If, if you're, if you're asking me to name an attribute for Olave, it is consistency. If you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. I mean, it's like a 90% of the time, you know, if he's got a chance at it, he's going to come down with it. Is he the fastest guy in the world? Is he the guy that's going to high point, you know, a ball that's thrown up for a 50-50? No, but he run, runs routes excellently. Uh, he gets separation from his, uh, from his defender, and he catches the ball. Right. And that's one of the most important things you can do as a receiver, maybe probably the most important. So he finishes the day uh, last Saturday with seven receptions and 140 yards, two touchdowns, average uh, average gain of 20 yards and a long of 43. So, I mean, I would call it a career game for most receivers. It, it would be. But for him, it's just another feather in his cap because he's got so many multiple. I think I saw it this week. I think he has 11 multiple touchdown games in his career at Ohio State, which is a crazy statistic. Um, wow. and, then, and then down the line from Saturday, Adam, Garrett Wilson, an, seven receptions for him, 126 yards through the air, two touchdowns uh, in a in a 77-yard long. And then our guy, you know, j- just as consistent as they come, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 10 receptions, 105 yards in uh, uh, a touchdown for himself. So all three of them breaking 100, an awesome thing, and exactly what you want to see against a defense like Michigan State. Um, Adam, last thing before we turn the page, the rushing attack last week, one of the more fun storylines was kind of the time Master Teague, the third got in the second half of the game, uh, finishes the game with 21 carries, 95 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just because we're not sure if he's going to be around next year, maybe just talk a little bit about Teague and, and how cool that was last Saturday. Yeah. I mean, he's had to take a backseat just because of the great success Trevion Henderson has had. I mean, that's what you get when you roll the dice as being a talented, uh, just any position player at Ohio State. There's a chance a guy under you is going to have just a little more talent, a little more speed. That's kind of what we've seen this season. He's had to take a little bit of a step back because of the talent of Trevion, but still an incredibly talented and uh, powerful back. I mean, totally, a totally different, you know, cat than Trevion. He, He's the kind of guy I would love to have run up the gun 80 times in a game and just, I mean, he, he's the workhorse of an offense. And I think he does have a place in the NFL, um, but just really special for him to get a chance to get a touchdown in, in the second half. And just, I mean, you, you heard it in the stadium. We weren't there, heard it on the TV and the radio, but the crowd chanting T. I mean, there's a lot of love Buckeye Nation still has for this guy. You know, it's nothing against him. It's just, you know, the faster horses sometimes have to, have to, you know, take the laps and uh but super happy for him same with mayan williams able to get out there i mean the the rushing the ohio state is is spoiled with receivers but they're also spoiled with running backs it's it's a, a wealth of riches it's incredible <laughs> it is a crazy thing and it's a great story and it was something that kind of made the headlines coming out of last saturday was the crowd you're right 
chanting for Teague, and I just think it shows how much loyalty, right, these fans do have, right? If you if you have a bad day, will they turn on you sometimes? Yes, we try to avoid that. Sometimes you get the boos early in the season at home against C.J. Stroud, which is crazy to think about, right, now that we're talking about him as yeah. a Heisman favorite. But, you know, definitely wish the best for Teague. And, you know, in the uh, year of our Lord 2021, with this added benefit of the transfer portal, you know, I don't think anybody would be surprised at all to see him starting at another high level program next season. I mean, he, he, he will have many, uh, what do they call that? He will have many suitors as it were, uh, uh, trying to get them to, to trying to get him to transfer to their program. So great thing to see on senior day, very happy for Teague. Uh, once again, the Buckeyes demolished the Spartans 56 to seven. I mean, just a, just an, Really, you can't ask for much more. And Adam, we haven't even talked about the defense. Almost putting up a shutout against the Spartans. Uh, the defense alone. Yeah, I mean, the, the, Go defense, ahead. Yeah, the, the thing that was preached about this game was two elite offenses. Well, I saw one Saturday. I did not see two. And I think that's thanks to our defense really stepping up. I mean, yep. if you, if you, I don't know if you have stats to pull up, but gosh, seven points that really shouldn't have even existed. We had every walk-on and freshman on the field in the fourth quarter. So um, for the better part of the game, I mean, the game was over at halftime, you know, 21 in the first, 28 in the second, this game was over at halftime. So, you know, what? pick your score, but they sure. were not going to beat this team and they weren't going to come close to beating this team with how the defense performed. Yep. Uh, you know, if you want stats, the only ones to know, right, how many sacks? Well, two on the day for Ohio State. But if you if you go back and watch the game or if you watched it live, the defensive line was living in that backfield and making it hell for Peyton Thorne, Michigan State's uh, quarterback. So if the defensive line can kind of keep, you know, it feels like they keep taking steps every week. Hopefully that's the truth. And uh, that's going to definitely play a big role right into tomorrow. So uh, with that. If you're ready, let's turn the page. Let's do it. Okay. The biggest game of the year with no hyperbole, right, takes place tomorrow in Ann Arbor. Uh, that stayed up north. Ohio State is the number two team in the country. They passed Alabama in this week's college football playoff rankings. Deservedly so, right? You get a dominant win over the seventh-ranked team in the country. Uh I don't know if anyone is arguing right now that any other team has a better offense than Ohio State's. They are humming. Uh, Ohio State right now, and this isn't the, the spread I put on the sheet. I'm looking at an updated one. Ohio State is favored by seven points, and even seven points going into the game tomorrow against their biggest rival. Um, I mean, Adam, so much history into this. There's so many different storylines, but maybe just just here at the beginning, why don't you just talk a little bit about the rivalry, uh, maybe some of your favorite parts about just anything you'd like to share? Sure. I mean, the rivalry, Ryan, as, as you and I have known it since, uh, I mean, I, I guess pick the year, but when I guess, I guess like 2007, 2008 is probably when I really started watching Ohio State football in my youth. Um, it's been pretty one-sided, pretty dominant. Uh, we've got the loss in 11 uh, during a pretty <laughs> a time where maybe uh, the rest of the country might cut us some slack in a year of turbulation with Pickle as our interim head coach, you know, weren't able to pull one out. But other than that, it's been an incredibly dominating performance by Ohio State since Trestle's speech. Uh, was it in the Schottenstein Center? What his famous words of how 
we our young player our young people will make you proud in the classroom uh in on on the field in the community in, in the community most importantly in ann arbor michigan called a shot probably i mean some some might say more brave than babe ruth calling a shot to left field before jacking a home run um he did go on to beat that team up north in ann arbor the following year but um the most notable game that i can think of is of course 2016 being in the stadium for that nonsense that double overtime curtis samuel uh 20 yard route to the left side weak side uh, for a touchdown to win it um hardball in the post game saying you know it was this close looking like a lunatic to all the reporters and just becoming a meme for a good couple of years. It definitely seemed like it kind of broke him in the rivalry. And Ryan, where are we with Harbaugh? Is this five in a row? It would have been six last year. I, I looked uh, it up because I looked it up because I knew we would need it, right? That's that's gotta be a part of this conversation. No coach at that team up north has ever gone 0 and five against Ohio State, right? And that is where Harbaugh sits right now. And I put in parentheses on the run sheet six, right? Because last year, Ohio State has a team that is dominant. I mean, what a terrific offense with Justin Fields, who's playing for the Chicago Bears right now, uh, that blows out a good Clemson team um, and, you know, and, and does whatever. They do fine against an all-time uh, dominant Alabama offense in the national championship game. But find me one person out there that doesn't think Ohio State dominates them last year, right? It's not a win because the game didn't happen, but for all intents and purposes, that team up north, Harbaugh himself, is 0-6 against this program after last season uh, obviously wasn't able to happen. Adam, I want to go back just for a second. Trestle, who I think that maybe this is overlooked, right, because Urban gets so much you know, fame and, and glory for the seven and O thing, right. It's even on a, on a craft beer here in Columbus, the seven and O uh, <laughs> pale ale for urban, but man, Trussell, he calls a shot at a basketball game in the Schottenstein center in the first, it, before, before he plays it down, he's announced as the head coach and does this speech and says, we are going to make you proud against this team in Ann Arbor, right on the field. Trussell retired nine and one against that team up north. And right, you, you could say, well, it's not undefeated. Nine and one. He was here for 10 years. Nine, right? nine and one after the 90s, right? The, exactly. The era exactly. So many great Ohio State teams went down. You know, he picked the program up and made it. We, we are not what we are today without the legend that is Jim Trestle. There's, there is a, there's a reason that he is on anyone's Mount Rushmore, right, for, uh, you know, historical figures in the football program history. He, the senator, right? I mean, just just one of the goats uh, that, that we have, and we're very blessed with so many terrific coaches in the history of this program. But, yeah, I, I think that it's forgotten about just how impactful he was on this rivalry, how he brought it to be not, not even important, right? That's not even – that doesn't do it justice. He made it the focal point – of this program. It's every day these guys prepare for this game at the end of the season. So I love you bringing that up. I think that's a terrific point. And I, and I love the, uh, you're right. What <laughs> you said the year was it 2016 is the double overtime. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Double overtime at home. 
the spot was good. You know, the crazy press conference from Jim Harbaugh and Curtis Samuel doing one of the most iconic touchdowns in Ohio State history. You and I there in person. So, so many great friends, great memories from that game. Uh, but, but real, real tears, real, yeah. real tears, real tears. We thought yeah. we were, we thought we were dead and buried in that game several yeah. times. And the way that that offense just clawed their way back in every single time. And those, and Michigan fans like to say it, right? Like the, you know, that, that was taken from them, this, that, the other, Hey folks, that's a win. A win's a win. The calls were made on the field. If you go back and watch the replay, I think that he got the first down and I'm on the side of the officials and I'm on the side of history. So you can bellyache about that call for the rest of your life. Or you I would can, also say, go ahead. Uh, it, the call was so close that I think you have to give it to the offense, how close it was. I mean, yeah. what are you going to let the rest dictate history? You need yeah. to make a stop. It needs to be obvious that a first down wasn't made. And I think it was not obvious. JT hits that uh, over D lineman. I'm not sure he runs into and spins in a way that it is very clear he easily could have made the first down, which is what they called. It was, uh, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. We weren't in a courtroom, but the decision was made. The review was taken. Very next play. Confirmed. Yeah. Gosh. Confirmed. <laughs> that was confirmed. You know I can still remember hey, the call. <laughs> All the all the games we've watched, which was most memorable, the one that went down like to the razor blade edge. I mean, all the different games we've watched in the last six seven years. That's the one that sticks out in my mind on how it ended and everything else that went into it. I mean, that in twenty eighteen. It's just course. the yeah the beating right of twenty eighteen. A trouncing yeah. of a team we were favored. We were uh, the, the the dogs against. I don't think Vegas. Uh, we'll forget that lesson. I, I laugh at the Buckeye fans, right, that are like, or not even the Buckeye fans, but the pundits, right, that say, this isn't even a rivalry. Ohio State's dominated it, you know, every year. Folks, there's not a national championship trophy in the weight room at Ohio State. There's not a national championship trophy. Uh, there are several, you know, in some places. The focal point of the Woody Hayes Athletic Facility is this team. We have we have one rival. Yeah. We have other we have other teams yeah. that we are competitive with in the Big Ten. We have other teams that we have rivalries with. We have one rival, and it's that team up north. And I, I, this isn't even the we didn't have these this many notes <laughs> for about this subject <laughs> in in the in the run sheet here. But it all goes back to Tress. The success that we've yeah. seen in the last twenty years is because of him. And because of the philosophy that he installed and because of the importance that he put on this game, knowing, right, that any any goal that an Ohio State team will have going forward will go through that team up north. It starts with exactly the team in Ann Arbor. If you can accomplish that goal, everything is in front of you. If you can't, yep. you're nothing. And that, that's where we are. Cooper, <laughs> Cooper wasn't an Ohio guy. And he, he was a he great coach. Well. He was a great coach. Yeah. Great coach. Not an Ohio guy. Did not understand the rivalry like Trestle did. Trestle knew it. Urban knew it. I mean, these, these are guys that grew up with this rivalry and understood if this is the focal point of the program is beating the rival, everything else follows because it means you're taking the time to look at the little details. You're doing the extra lap of practice, the extra rep, 
because yep. you want to beat this team so badly. You're studying their tape on the, every Monday, going up every Monday of every week of the year, going up to that game. You're looking at tape, trying to learn everything you can because respecting the rivalry leads to success. And I think it's something Harbaugh has overlooked showing up at, 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 at Michigan. He, he, he wanted it. You know, he called a shot as a player. He said, we're going to, I guarantee we'll beat Ohio State. And it took him complaining to the refs about how loud our fans were to beat Ohio State in the 90s. But he did do it. Props to him. But he comes back as a coach and he thinks it's just another game. It's just Michigan State. It's just Penn State. It's just Ohio State. You can't do that. And you've seen the record reflect it. You respect your rival. You make, you dedicate time and energy into beating them every day, every minute of the year. You've got the countdown clock, 365 till kickoff. It resets. It reset last year with no game for the first time in a century <laughs> to show what kind of a year it was. 1917. 1917. 1917. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's nothing like this game. And to the pundits out there that say we've been so dominant, it's because Ohio State respects the rivalry. It's everything to them. And it's not been that with Michigan, but maybe it'll change this week. I don't know. That's partially, the, that's partially the reason I brought that point up, right, is, is that people like to discredit this rivalry. I would argue that the dominance Ohio State has shown and that and the ability that they have shown to still dedicate themselves every day to this being the game is the reason that this is the greatest rivalry in sport, not in college football. Yep. I, I, I want to rewind the clocks, uh, you know, to, to our, our, our guy, Mike. Uh, you know, he, he taught us in high school, right? It was one of one of his education days in the Ag Ed program at the terrific Talawanda FFA chapter, right? It's it's not the best it's not the best rivalry in college football. It transcends the sport, and it is in the conversation for the for the most intense rivalry that exists in sport, right? Not just this this game that we play here in the U.S. There's a reason, and, and Adam and I grew up with it. I mean, there's the jokes are made every year. There's intensity for every kid in their high school, right? You've got that one kid, Adam and I knew a couple of those kids at our high school that, that they, for no reason at all, they chose to grow up being Michigan fans just so they could be the other, <laughs> just so that that's just so they could be different and root for the other team. But that's how inundated it is culturally <laughs> to our DNA. It starts yep. that you choose a side, you got to pick a side. And you will grow up, you know, living or, or dying on that side. So, you know, all that. And Adam, we'll move on in a second, but I wanted to underline your point. I loved you bringing up Cooper, right? A terrific career here at Ohio State, but so uh, almost spoiled would be the word by his record against that team up north in this game. You know, he he competed for national championships. He was in bowl games every year. He was dominant against tons of opponents in the Big Ten, but he couldn't get it done really when when it mattered he he finished uh i, I was gonna pull it up because i i wanted to reference it for this uh cooper yeah finished his all-time record against that team up north two ten and one ten losses against them uh and i i say the one right because we don't really have i we don't have ties anymore in college football but his tie against that team up north i believe in 1992 was so it was so hyped. It was whatever word you want to choose. Go back, go on YouTube and search the video. Ohio State, John Cooper, tie Michigan. The stadium here in Columbus was losing their minds. They were so excited <laughs> to tie, to tie. <laughs> to tie, because that's 
That's how it has been. And for young Buckeye fans or even teenage to young adult Buckeye fans, you may not believe this is true, but this rivalry, as dominant as we have been the last 20 years, we've been on the other side of, of, of this. Oh, yeah. And they have spoiled countless seasons of ours. And there's a reason that there's so much bad blood. But, Adam, I, I think we've done enough hyping it up. I mean, this is you, – you, you can hear it in our voices. We, I, I can't wait. Like, this is as excited as I've yeah. been for this game. And given the two-year – It's not a game you sit down. Go ahead. You, you stand up. It doesn't matter if you're in the stadium or at, watching it on the TV. Yep. You stand up for the game. It's, it, that is just – you don't even want to sit down. It's the whole <laughs> season in one game. And yep. um, it, it's just – I was thinking about it this week, right? Thanksgiving festivities. It's a wonderful time of year. I think that this week of the year is for me, a top three week, right? You get two days off. Uh, if you're, you know, a normal non, non-farmer employee with Thursday and Friday off, but, uh, and, and then it leads you into this game. You got great food with the Thanksgiving holiday, but just culturally right here for Ohio, for, for the citizens of this state, everyone is locked in for this game. It's like not, what are you doing Saturday? It's where are you watching the game? And, and for us to not have that last year, you know, the anticipation, it, it literally feels like Christmas Eve because we haven't seen this yep. in two, two years. We get to, we all get to gather tomorrow, you know, whatever the outcome is, we get to gather and watch this game together. And brother, I, I'm just so excited about it. And we haven't even started talking about the game itself yet. Yeah. <laughs> so all that to no, say, yeah. yeah, all that to say, I, there's two storylines or two uh, kind of bullet points I want to talk about before we get into the game itself. One, we've mentioned it before, Harbaugh 0-5 against Ohio State since starting his tenure. Um, last year, definitely in the hot seat. A lot of questions being asked, right? If you uh, From the, uh, the Team Up North athletic director, what does the future look like? How are we going to handle this? And then kind of a surprise contract extension. Surprise in a way, because I'll explain in just a second um, for, for Harbaugh. I believe it was about a five year extension with some bonus money guaranteed, but it added in a buyout clause that made it a very manageable buyout for the university itself. So if they made the decision to move on, it's not going to be nearly the blood uh, kind of that we've seen at Texas, right? Going all in on Tom Herbin and now uh, Sarkeesian. You know, they, they kind of have built a pathway for themselves to be, a, be able to get out of this. So, Adam, for you, maybe I, why don't you just talk a little bit about Harbaugh's legacy or even win or lose Saturday? You know, wh- what do these next few years look like for the program? Ryan, you know, it's weird. I mean, we, we come in and uh, as freshmen in, in 14 and it's like, wow, you know, Michigan's got their prodigal son, you know, what more can you ask for, you know, other than bringing in some huge name coach is to bring in a huge name coach that was a quarterback of your university that played in the NFL, that coached in the NFL and had some success. It was like, oh, this is not good, Buckeye fans. <laughs> but uh, we have persevered through the urban era, through, uh, you know, five-star recruits and everything else. It's it's uh, it's made a tough uh road to travel for Harbaugh and those Wolverines. I mean, every year knowing you got to battle this Urban Meyer team and then this Ryan Day team. To me, if I was Harbaugh, I'm looking at a loss, which I think is how he's kind of planned on it every year or going to lose to Ohio State. But maybe this is the year, you know, 
maybe I can get lucky. 2016, I think, would send a lot of people into a mental institution, the way that game was blown, and then the way the call was, you know, JT made the first down. Maybe he was short, got a foot between my hands to show the reporters as if that's going to help anything and not make me look like a terrible crybaby. But, you know, um, he's had a tough time. I am surprised. I, I am somewhat shocked he is still the coach. I was in Ann Arbor two years ago with uh, friends of the program, Abram and Devin, and uh, it just felt like if he loses this game, he's done. And yet here he sits two years later, still the coach of the Wolverines. Um, I think he loses this one. I, I, I just, I don't see what, what the university is looking for at this point, because he, if he loses this one, I think it feels like you're never going to win. Like, Never. Agreed. And you're going to set Agreed. the record for losses in a row. Like, I mean, we can get into the game more, but I would say this is his best shot he's had in a few years, but it still really doesn't even feel like there's much of a shot. But uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? It's just because you haven't seen it, right? It seems impossible. Like Harbaugh can't yeah. get it done on the biggest stage. And, and that, that is kind of how I feel going into tomorrow. But you know, for the guy, right. It, it, it's like, you almost feel bad for him. You know, he's had some success. Uh, I mean, this season, y- you would call it a success unless you are a diehard traditional uh, fan of that team up North, because the only success that we measure here in Columbus is how you play in the last game of the regular season. So I don't know, Adam, <laughs> you know, to kind of go off of what you said, yeah. like, like it's a complicated situation. They've made, they've built a situation where they are able to get out if they want to, but let's say they get embarrassed tomorrow, right? I I think that that is the worst case scenario for team up North fans is, you know, if you keep it close and you lose, at least you can say that and maybe take a moral victory with it. Um, But I mean, that's the thing this year, this Ohio state team is destined for the playoffs. So if it's a close game, that's not, you can at least, I mean, if that's worth anything, you lost to a very good team that you played competitively with. But if it's a blowout, I mean, where do you go from here? Sure. I, sure. I don't think they even know the answer to that. Well, Adam, that that's where I wanted to go, right? That's the question. Where do you go from here? You brought back your prodigal son to, to take over the program and, and try and lead it to back into the glory days of success. But if you if you go to the coaching landscape right now, even if you fire Harbaugh, where are you going to go? Right? Like who, who is the guy? Who is the name out there? Like even the dream name that you could bring in that could actually make a real difference, you know, in in this rivalry. And and that person probably exists somewhere. Right. But as far as right now goes, like, you know, you're 10 and one, you've played a great regular season. You lost a stupid game against your other in-state rivalry that you keep calling little brother in Michigan state. Uh, but you know, you take that game off the board, you're, you're 12 and 0, you're number two coming into this game. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it all matters what happens tomorrow. And that's what this season's going to be, you know, look back upon. Uh, I've got one other point I want to do, and then we're going to go through some stats. Okay. Um, quarterback Cade McNamara, uh, the team up North quarterback, uh, who's going to be starting tomorrow. Uh, this was a quote from him this week. I'm just going to read it for the podcast. When asked about if he's concerned about anything with Ohio state, I wouldn't say I'm concerned about anything. I'd say we're looking to take advantage of Ohio state as the week progresses. 
we're going to find ways to do that. I know this offense is going to be very confident going into that game. Um, and quote, Adam, uh, you hear that quote from Michigan, that team up north, excuse me, starting quarterback. Where does your head go? I think it comes back to respect for the rivalry. I think you don't ever hardly hear uh, Ohio State players saying anything of the sort. And I think that's even a soft quote. I don't think it's anything like I guarantee a win over Ohio State this week. It's not like that because that confidence isn't even there anymore to even say that type of outlandish statement. Um, to say we're going to be looking this week, you know, that type of a statement tells me they don't study Ohio State throughout the year. Like, oh, we're going to try and find something this week. I, it's the type of stuff that I just feel like doesn't bode well for them. Um, and with that being said, it's not that bad of a quote. It's like, well, what do you want the quarterback to say? We respect. I mean, this is what I would say. We've got a lot of respect for the rivalry. We've got a lot of respect for our opponent. And it's going to be quite the battle. It's going to be which team shows up and works harder on Saturday and makes less mistakes. I think that's all you could say as a quarterback in a game like this. But not what yeah. he said. It's not the worst thing in the world that he said. But yep. uh, it's not what I would have said. The reason it jumped off the page to me as, as I was reading it and I was like, what, what is this guy doing? It, pull up the stats, right? They don't have yeah. a bad. They don't have a bad offense at all. I'm not saying that they they've been fine. They've won a lot of games, right? They're 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 ten and one heading into tomorrow. McNamara has two thousand one hundred and forty two yards this season, fourteen touchdowns and two interceptions. Right? Not that bad. That's not bad. Those aren't bad numbers. He's doing just fine. But he's not the reason they win or lose games. He is a he's pedestrian, sure. right? If you compare him to CJ Stroud, CJ, three thousand four hundred sixty-eight yards through the air, thirty-six touchdowns, so almost three times the touch, touchdowns and five interceptions. So, if, if you're McNamara, it's like what? To me, keep your head down. Why? Why do you need to say anything? If you win this game on Saturday, sure. if you win this game on Saturday, it's because Haskins, your running back, you know, is able to to keep team, that team up north in control of the game by keeping the ball moving on the ground. You're not going to beat us through the air. I I can see a lot of scenarios happening tomorrow, but I do not see McNamara with like, you know, whatever, four to six touchdowns. And it's just a terrific performance out of him. I mean, he's a fine quarterback. We'll see what he does uh, on the biggest stage at home in his own stadium. So no excuses. Uh, but I just thought that was a funny quote. Adam, let's let's get into the game itself. Um, a couple, uh, comparison or just giving you a team of North's last five, uh, victories, victory at Maryland, 59, 18, most points they've scored this season, victory at Penn state, 21, 17, kind of a close clunky game, similar to how Ohio state played against the Nittany lions, uh, home against Indiana, 29, seven. So kind of a dominant win against Indiana. Not that dominant when you compare it to 54-7 from Ohio State. Uh, at Michigan State, they lose to their rival on a end-of-game comeback victory from the Spartans, 37-33. Obviously a little different than last Saturday, 56-7 uh, here against Michigan State. Uh, and their last one against Northwestern uh, back in October, 33-7, a very bad Northwestern team. Uh we flipped the script when Ohio State is on defense, okay? Ohio State right now is averaging, uh, giving up about 19 points per game. So that puts them in 16th uh, nationally. 
uh, kind of matches up pretty well to uh, Team Up North's scoring offense. They're scoring 36.9 points per game, which puts them at 15th. Um, I, I, we can talk about that a little bit, but that's not really the name of this game, right? It's, it's the offense. What, what is this going to look like tomorrow when Ohio State's on offense? Ohio State is ranked number one in the country in scoring offense, putting up an average of 47.2 points per game, ranked number one. Team up north, their claim to fame is their defense, giving up an average of 16.3 points per game, putting them at seventh in the country, pretty close to where they're ranked uh, nationally. So, Adam, we're not going to go piece by piece in this game. There's a lot that we could talk about, but, you know, just looking at the stats, any of the games you've watched for that team up north this year, you know, a cold day, they're calling for snow tomorrow uh, up in Ann Arbor. We'll see what it actually looks like uh, come noon, but just kind of just talk about what you see happening. Well, uh, to be honest with you and the listeners at home, the only game I've really watched uh, the team up north play was against Nebraska. It was a game that felt like they were actually going to lose to Nebraska for a good deal of the game. But Nebraska is just has this uncanny way of blowing games that they could easily uh, seal up. And that's kind of what happened in this one, some untimely interceptions. You're not going to have a game like that uh, against Ohio State. You're not going to – Ohio State never beats themselves. It's, it doesn't happen. So uh, it's just it, – it feels like we are as hot as the sun right now as to, in terms of how we're playing. A win against Michigan State, putting up 56. The, follow, the week before, putting up 59 against Purdue. Above, two choose-your-score your games um, – with Nebraska the week before and Penn State the week before that, two close games, but it seems like we've really created some separation. A lot of people said, watch out for Purdue, watch out. Well, we did watch out for Purdue, and you saw that, you know, 59-31 win. Michigan State, same deal. Watch, you know, this is a top 10 matchup. Michigan State had all the respect in the world from the committee until the game started. <laughs> And it was a complete embarrassment. Now, Michigan State doesn't claim to have the best defense in the country. In fact, it's one of the worst. But that's okay. That is totally fine. I think, I think Michigan gets exposed tomorrow. I've got a lot of respect for that team. I've got a lot of respect for that stadium. I've seen a game live up there. I just know three receivers are going to the NFL that wear the scarlet and gray. The entire offensive line, the entire defensive line is full of five and four-star talent. And their backups are four-stars and five-stars. I know our lines are going to win out, and I think our rushing attack will win out, and I think that'll be the name, the the game, the the stat of the day. It's my bold prediction is that we will rush for more yards per play than that team up north. Right. I think that's, that's a great out. great synopsis. We had a friend of the program just uh, text us re or earlier in a group chat saying, you know, just feeling like that team of North is, is a little cocky and that they're a little nervous, right? Heading into tomorrow. And my response to that was guys, I'm nervous for this game every year because it's the most important game that sure. we play. It's the most important There's not game. Been a year. I was not <laughs> nervous for this game. Exactly. It's every year. It's the most important. But that's game what, that, that we that's play. what happens when the program, the players, the fans, the coaches respect the rivalry. There's no walking into it thinking this is going to be a cakewalk. Yep. Okay. That's that is how you get upset. That's how you get surprised, and that's exactly the opposite of what Brian Day's got these players thinking. He says we're going to go in, we're going to execute flawlessly or close to flawlessly. We're going to make less mistakes than the other side, and that's how we're going to win the game. Exactly. 
my answer to this guy, right, is that I'm always nervous. And then my next tech was, text was, but we literally have the current Heisman favorite as our signal caller slash quarterback, right? We have a Joe Moore finalist offensive line. So for the folks at home, that is the award given to the best comprehensive offensive line in college football every year. Ohio State's offensive line is a finalist for the award, which is a terrific thing. If you rewind the clocks a few years ago, that was a huge storyline for that uh, 2020 LSU team, uh, or uh, excuse me, 2019 LSU team, uh, Joe Burrow quarterback LSU team. We have three NFL receivers, two, right, potentially first round NFL receivers for this year's draft and a true freshman running back with over a thousand yards. Okay. Are we going to blow them out? No. Right. Probably not. Maybe not. But if you're making me choose, but but also maybe (laughs) I definitely could see that happening and we'll get to that in score predictions here in a second. Um, So, you know, am I crazy confident? You know, no, I think I'm realistically confident. And I would say, if you're making me choose, right. I'm going to be a lot. I'm going to feel a lot better picking Ohio state to win this game and even to cover the spread uh, than I would be to, to, to pick that team up North. So just something I, I wanted to bring up, Adam, I, I, I don't even think we need to go through piece by piece. People know how big this game is. They know kind of what we're looking at. We got a great defense we're going up against and an okay offense. We have a terrific offense and an okay defense and it makes for a terrific matchup tomorrow. I think Absolutely. exactly. I can't wait. Yeah, I that's all there all that needs to be said. I think that we wrap up there. We will run through and do our uh, lines, our gambling corner for tomorrow, and we will finish by predicting the score uh, of the game. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Okay, first game of uh, the predictions here: the Iron Bowl, Alabama taking on uh, the uh, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Alabama, kind of a crazy line here. The I, I, I yeah. got caught up because I was thinking War Eagle, but Alabama favored by 20 and a half points, right? Just over three scores. Um, Adam, who are you taking? This just seems like a line that's destined for, for, the, for War Eagle to cover. I mean, I, I just think uh, I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take Auburn. It's at Auburn. You know, I – Bama hasn't shown me anything this year that makes me think this is going to be a complete blowout. Auburn, yeah, they've had a rough year, but they always like to play Bama close. I think this is going to be a close one. I, I'm taking Bama, I'm taking I, Auburn, and I'm I, taking the points. Exactly. I was back and forth on this, but at the end of the day, to your biggest rival, and in, in laugh at Ohio State team up north rivalry all you want. Saban has has been. I mean, he's been great in this rivalry, but for the teams that he has had, he's been pretty pedestrian in his actual overall record against Auburn in games that he should have won. So give me 20 and a half, excuse me, points on the road for Alabama. I'm sticking with you and taking those points. Another big game in the Big Ten for this weekend. Penn State favored by four points against Sparty. Adam, uh, what do you think? Shows a lot of respect the committee has for Penn State to leave them unranked, you know, as they're a four-point favorite to the would-be seventh-ranked team in the country. Um, it's at Sparty. Is that correct? Yep. Fine. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I think it's possible we just broke the Mel Tucker team for the year, and I know this might hurt Clay and 
you know, I'd be fine being wrong. I really don't care who wins or loses this game. Their seasons are done, you know. But I would say Penn State just signed uh, James Franklin to a a hundred-year contract or something for a billion dollars for reasons I don't really understand. But with that said, I think the players want to play behind a coach that's going to be there. And I think uh, I think Penn State takes care of business. I think it's a great bounce back game for them. I think they win it uh, probably pretty handedly. So I'm I'm taking Penn State and a million the points. I'm I'm flipping your uh, argument for the same reasons, right? Mel Tucker signs this huge deal. He's got to come out and hopefully make a, a show of confidence, right, for his supporters and the fans of Michigan State. Um, I think that they actually do have a pretty good offense. Kenneth Walker's looking for a big bounce back game. Um, Penn State, you know, they were able to get up and play really well against the run versus us, but I don't know that they can recreate that juice against the Spartans on Saturday. Uh, you're giving me four points for the number, what, 12th ranked team in the nation. I'll take Michigan State and I'll take the uh, give me the four points. Um, last game before we get to the big one, OU, Oklahoma University versus the uh, Oklahoma State Okies or whatever they're called, Pokey, Okie Pokies. Um, Oklahoma State is is favored by four and a half points. Um, obviously, a, a, a big fun rivalry game for college football. Um I'm going to be honest. I'll, I'll pick first because I haven't watched that much of Oklahoma state other than people telling me that they're really good. Um, and because of that, I've seen too many OU meltdowns this year to like feel confident in them. Give me Oklahoma state. I'll lay down the points. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm with you again. I also haven't watched that much. I just know Oklahoma has had so much quarterback controversy. They've gone from uh, a God of a quarterback to him being a homeless man, and then the same with the backup. So I would say I'm going to take Oklahoma State, and uh, I bet they win it outright. But being the Big 12, I think more than the line, I'd say take, give me the over. Don't even know what the number is, but probably give me the over. A lot of points in that game. The game, Ohio State heading up to Ann Arbor, the the jewel of the weekend, game day, Fox Sport. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be a great atmosphere. They're calling for snow. We'll see how cold it actually gets. Ohio State, this is the line we're using because I've seen a couple, but Ohio State favored by seven and a half points against their their rival uh, tomorrow at noon. Adam, what are we doing? Ryan, I've got Ohio State winning. Um, yeah, give me a score a prediction. Complete blowout. Yeah. I respect this team, but I've got Ohio State 45, uh, that team up north 27. I think they get a couple points, but I think Ohio State pulls away late. Um, that's what I got. I believe Love that's it. A, that is, win. that is a 22 so. point win. Um, Adam, I'm, I'm right there with you. I uh, I think that this would be a crazy score, but there's a scenario in my head that I see it happening. Um, just because there's so much juice behind this. And, That's and, an 18 and I, point win, not a 22 point win. 18 point win. There's so much juice behind this and so many quotes that snuck out of last year and how upset, you know, Ryan Day and Harbaugh are not friends. It's kind of on record and off record that they do not really get along or like each other. Um, and because of that, and because of how Ohio State's kind of been able to name their score many of the last few weeks, I like Ohio State maybe, maybe being able to run this up if they can get up to an early lead. Uh, 45 seems like a lot of points. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do 52, Ohio State. Um, and and we'll do with a rushing attack, mm, we'll do 52-30, let's say that, for that team up north, uh, and then getting a couple points up there. So uh right the same spread adam just a little more juice for the buckeyes another another touchdown there uh 
Uh, but I, I've got them covering too. Hopefully you and I are both not wrong, I, but I do feel good about this prediction. Adam, anything else to share for the folks at home? Just uh, folks out there, get some sleep, stay hydrated, and uh, just spend the day with the folks you like, you know, devoting time to and hanging out with. And it's always such a fun, it's always, it's a holiday in Ohio. Like, I don't want to talk it up more than it is, but it, it, it is no other day in the year like this. And it's so much fun, so much anxiety, but so fun. And uh, I, I can't wait. That's all I got. It is so fun that it matters this much and that Team Up North has done their part of making this game matter that much more. They're top five team heading into the weekend. We're really excited about it. I can't wait to watch it. Adam and I get to watch it tomorrow together with a with a handful of friends. So super excited for that. Uh, but for the folks at home, thank you for tuning in. This is the last episode of the regular season. If we are six, uh, successful tomorrow, uh, right? We have a guaranteed two more games. If we are not successful tomorrow, we have one more game to end the season. So with all that being said, the next time you will hear from us, we will be in the postseason. It's been a wonderful season here in season four of the Silver Bullet Saga podcast. Thank you all for your support. So much more to say on this, right? Whenever we finally get to the last episode of the season. But thank you all for tuning in. Please send us your comments, your suggestions, what you like, what you don't like. We read them all. So with all that being said, go Buckeyes. Make us proud. Make the state of Ohio proud tomorrow on the field. And for those of you at home, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Bullet Bullet Saga. Saga.